0: Good evening. I know Robin has just got a lot younger and more handsome. Uh, My name is Scott. I'm the family discipleship worker here at Eaton Derry. So lads and your families and your friends, we are so delighted to have you with us this evening. We we really are. If you don't have a church, uh, if you don't worship anywhere regularly on a Sunday, um, know that you're so welcome here, that you're loved here. And we say that not because we're really welcoming or lovely. We're not. We can say that because Jesus is and we know him. Um, So if you have any questions about church or even more questions about BB, um, even more questions about Christianity, you know that the BB leaders are always there, uh, but so are we. Uh, I'm always here for a chat and that offer is always there. Uh, at the minute in church we're going through a series in the book of 1st Samuel, it's an Old Testament book and we're going to turn our attentions there for a bit tonight. We're not going to change what we're going through just because we have esteemed guests with us and you really are esteemed guests, you know that lads, um, but we believe that scripture is God's word and that means it's really important, it's relevant and it's got something to teach us tonight about who God is, about who we are and about how we should live in light of that. And we're going to read from 1 Samuel, chapter 11. Uh, Can I encourage you, if you've got a Bible with you, open up there now. 1 Samuel 11, Old Testament, you'll find Joshua, Judges, Ruth, and then 1 Samuel. It's only 15 verses long, we're going to read it, then we're going to pray, we're going to ask for God's help, and then we're going to look briefly what God has to teach us tonight. Sound good? Great. 1 Samuel, chapter 11. This is God's word. Then Nahash the Ammonite went up and besieged Jabesh Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said to Nahash, make a treaty with us and we will serve you. But Nahash the Ammonite said to them, on this condition I will make a treaty with you. That I gouge out all your right eyes and lust bring disgrace on all Israel. The elders of Jabesh said to him, Give us seven days' respite, that we may send messengers through all the territory of Israel. Then, if there is no one to save us, we will give ourselves up to you. When the messengers came to Gibeah of Saul, they reported the matter in the ears of the people. And all the people wept aloud. Now behold, Saul was coming from the field behind the oxen. And Saul said, What is wrong with the people that they are weeping? So they told him the news of the men of Jabesh. And the Spirit of God rushed upon Saul when he heard these words, and his anger was greatly kindled. He took a yoke of oxen and cut them in pieces and sent them throughout the territory of Israel by the hand of messengers, saying, Whoever does not come out after Saul and Samuel, so this shall be done to his oxen. Then the dread of the Lord fell upon the people, and they came out as one man. When he mustered them at Bezek, the people of Israel were 300,000 and the men of Judah 30,000. And they said to the messengers who had come, thus you shall say to the men of Jabesh, Gilead, tomorrow by the time the sun is hot, you shall have salvation. When the messengers came and told the men of Jabesh, they were glad. Therefore the men of Jabesh said, tomorrow we will give ourselves up to you and you may do to us whatever seems good to you. And the next day, Saul put the people in three companies and they came into the midst of the camp in the morning and the morning watch and struck down the Ammonites until the heat of the day. And those who survived were scattered so that no two of them were left together. Then the people said to Samuel, who is it that said, shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men that we may put them to death. But Saul said, not a man shall be put to death this day. For today the Lord has worked salvation in Israel. Then Samuel said to the people, Come, let us go to Gilgal, and there renew the kingdom. So all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. There they sacrificed peace offerings before the Lord, and there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. Thank God for the reading of his word, and we're going to pray, and we're going to ask God to help us understand this and learn from it. Let's talk to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you give us your word to teach us about you, that we may believe in you, that we may be saved by you, and become more like you. Would you help us by your spirit to be able to listen, have open hearts, and transformed lives, take away distractions in our heads and around us. Help us tonight, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Boys, I've got a question for you. And if you're a parent... You might be able to answer this a bit better or at least more honestly than your kids. Do you ever, would you ever, could you ever fight with your siblings or your cousins or your friends? What do you think? Be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm not talking about, you know, arguing, you know, a war of words. I'm talking about scrapping. Yeah, me me too. Now, disclaimer, uh, just for your parents. Don't fight with your siblings, okay? I've said it. But growing up, I used to fight a lot with my brother. In fact, we actually liked fighting. I mean, like proper wrestling. We wouldn't even fight over anything in particular. We'd just walk into each other's room, we'd look at each other and say, Fancy a fight? And then we'd fight the bed out. It'd be great. We'd fight. Uh, And this would happen uh, even when we were far too old to be fighting, quite honestly. Uh, Put it like this. My dad eventually made a WhatsApp group called Boys Stop Fighting, uh, where he would just send us a message saying, stop it every time our fighting got too loud. Now, the only problem for me when it came to fighting with my brother is this. He is older than me. Which meant for years and years and years... He was stronger than me. Anybody have that problem? Yeah, it's pretty sad, isn't it? So we'd wrestle and we'd punch and we'd grapple and we'd kick. But eventually I wasn't punching anymore. I was being punched. And I would have to call for a truce. I'd have to try and end the fight. And my brother always used to use a dirty tactic when we fought. His fist would be in the air. I'd say, truce, 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 truce. He'd look at me, fist still hovering see the look of fear in my face, he'd say, okay, truce. And then he'd punch me anyway. Oh, one last punch to end things. It's not really on, is it? It's pretty nasty, isn't it? It's pretty rude. It's a dirt, dirty, horrible tactic. That story that we read earlier from First Samuel, it starts off with a group of people asking another group of people for a truce like me and my brother. Some of God's people lived in this place called Jabesh Gilead, and they were attacked and seized by this fellow called Nahash and his men, the Ammonites. That meant that God's people, some of God's people, they were stuck inside their city. They couldn't get out, and if they came out, then, <sniffs> dead. And this guy, guy, Nahash, he must have been well known at the time. He was pretty scary, he was quite feared. Honestly, he was pretty evil. And that's probably why God's people asked him for a truce. They said in verse 1, make a treaty with us and we'll serve you. They didn't want to fight this man. He was too cruel. He was too scary. He was too powerful and strong. And he probably would have killed them if they had to fight. So they said, truce. Now, here's what you need to know about Nahash and his people, the Ammonites. The Ammonites. For a long time, for a long, long time, they had hated God and hated God's people. Near the start of the Bible, in a book called Exodus, there's a big story about how God's people wandered around in the wilderness. And there's an incident where God's people asked the Ammonites for help. And the Ammonites said, no because of that the Ammonites and Israel they fell out they've had a long fight for many years and God's people actually counted them as enemies in fact God thought the Ammonites were his enemies so when God's people said to the Ammonites truce listen to what Nahash says it's pretty gross it's pretty gory essentially he says this in verse 2 I'll make a truce with you but only if I can gouge out every one of your people's right eye what he wants to shame god's people that's worse than my brother punching me isn't it if you make a truce everybody would lose their right eye that's horrible it's awful it's gross it's worse than any costume i'm sure you saw over halloween nahash hated god he hated god's people and he wants to put them to shame and hurt them and torture them and damage them god's people needed to they're allowed to ask for help for seven days, and they send off some messengers. But God's people knew that they needed saving. Did you know we need saving too? Did you know that? We we need saving too. The reading that Adam read for us earlier from First Timothy, the writer Paul says this, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. That means we should believe it to be true, and we should live by it. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Lads, Jesus came into this world because like God's people in this story, we need saving too. We need saving from an enemy who wants to harm us. That's Satan. He wants what's worst for us. He wants to cause us damage, much worse than taking our right eye. He wants us to not Come to know Jesus, to never love God, and that's so much worse. We need saving from the world, which tells us lies and tries to tempt us to put our hope in things that will ultimately hurt us. And most of all, more than anything else, we need saving from ourselves and our sin. Our sin is all the bad things we do, it's all the good things that we choose not to do, and it means that we can't have a right relationship with God. We need saving. And the good news is that Jesus Christ came into this world and he lived perfectly and he died innocently and he rose again victoriously and he ascended into heaven miraculously so that if you believe in him tonight, he will save you. We need saved and Jesus makes a way for that to happen. A way for us to know God, a way for us to share in God's love and life and live for him one day, forever we can be with him in glory. It means that we have meaning here on earth. All we have to do to be saved is to believe in Jesus and what he's done for us. To love him with all our hearts. We can do that tonight. In the story, God's people needed saving, just like us. Now, if you know that God loves us so much that he would send Jesus into the world to save us. Do you think he would leave his people to be hurt and tortured and killed in the story? No, of course not. In the story, God's people send for help. And the word reaches the city of Gibeah where a certain man called Saul lived. Now, Saul's really important in the Old Testament. He was told at this time he was going to be the new king of Israel. Israel hadn't quite yet started, and not everybody had quite accepted that this guy was going to be king. Some people have been quite rude about Saul, were very against him. But the word of this terrible situation, this news, comes to Saul's city. And it was so sad that everybody started crying and weeping and wailing. It was terrible. And in verse 5 in the passage that we read, it tells us that Saul was actually out in the fields when this happened. And when he came into the city, he saw what was happening. And he was like, what is wrong? Why is everybody crying? Why is everybody weeping? And the people told him of the evil Nahash and his plan to take everybody's right eye in the city of Jabesh Gilead. Now I asked you earlier, if God loves us so much that he would send Jesus to save us, would he leave his people to be hurt? No, verse 6 tells us this. It says that the Spirit of God rushed upon Saul. God's Spirit rushed upon Saul and it made him terribly angry at this situation. He was filled with rage that God's people would be hurt like this. He gets angry. He rounds up a whole lot of people. 330,000 men. That's a lot of men. That's too many men almost. And they attack Nahash and the Ammonites. They save the city. Their enemies are dead or they scatter. And their friends are free. God saved his people. And he used Saul to do that. Now, I said some people before this incident happened weren't all that keen on Saul. They made it clear they didn't really like him. They were very rude about him at times. And having seen this anger that Saul had and how he defeated God's enemies, those who supported Saul said, here, get all those guys. He says this first verse 12. All those people who opposed Saul, bring them here and let's kill them. But Saul says, No. Verse 13, Saul says this, Not a man shall be put to death this day, for today the Lord has worked salvation in Israel. Instead of revenge and anger, Saul shows mercy and love. Why does he show God's mercy and love? Because he's experienced God's mercy and love. He's seen how God has saved his people. He wants to show that to others because of the salvation that God has given to his people, because God saved his people from their enemies, God, or Saul displays God's love to others. Isn't that pretty amazing? And, and you know, boys, and everybody else, if we love Jesus, if we've been saved by Jesus, if we belong to Jesus, we're saved for the same reasons. To show God's love to others. Again, that passage Adam read to us earlier says that. It says, I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the worst of sinners, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. We have received God's love and God's mercy. So that Jesus might display in us his patience and his love and his mercy to other people. So that others might come to know the Jesus that we know and love too. Jesus uses us as a display of his glory, of his love, of his mercy. Lads, think towards the end of the BB year, okay? You're going to put on the famous BB display. Think of everybody who comes to watch the BB display. Loved ones, friends, people from this church. And do you know what you do in the BB display? You know what you do? Yeah, dramas maybe, horsework maybe marching, a bit of sports stuff, maybe singing if you're brave. And what you do is you show off what the BB does, don't you? That's what a display is. You show off what the BB is capable of, what the BB loves to do. And God, when he saves us in Jesus Christ, he wants to use us as a display. He wants to use us to show off his love for others, to show off what God can do in our lives, what God can do in the lives of other people. God's love and mercy, how amazing Jesus is, how great it is to know his forgiveness and to love him and live for others. Boys, girls, mums, dads, everybody else, we have a God that loves you so much that he sent his son to save you you can believe in him tonight and if you believe in jesus he values you so much and he loves others so much that he wants to use you yes even you to reach others in this world, to bring his salvation to those that you love and know, to advance his kingdom amongst boys and girls and men and women, your friends, your families, and loved ones. God is a God who saves and uses you as a display to others so that they may know him as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that even though we sin against you, you don't want to punish us or see us get hurt. But instead, you have sent Jesus Christ to save us, to love us, to make us yours. Would you help us to believe in you tonight? And Father, we pray that because of that love that we have received from Jesus, we would show others your love. Would you help us to do that? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.